This is Indian Art History by Mash Podcast. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Indian Art History by Mash Podcast and I am your host Ayushi Jorasia. Here are a few things I have grown up with while I'm still growing. Different kinds of threads have laced my experiences of growing up and learning about the world and myself in general. Threat is the common denominator of all projects of political artistic and environmental overtones threat is what they wish and calculate to reduce people around me have taught me that their race is in threat that their religion is in threat that their ideologies are in threat while i've grown up reading and learning and studying that the environment is in threat flora and fauna are in threat the rivers are sick the water table is low the bees are dropping dead and the population of mice and human beings is reaching alarmingly high the earthly knowledge of the tribes is in threat the tribes themselves are in threat our vernacular literature and languages are in threat and now quote unquote the art is in threat these are the threats of different kinds but have sweeping similarities all of them are threatened by the rising homogeneity capitalism and the far right we have woven our lives around our own perceptions of threat and safeguarding you see so many things need saving including our own bodies and minds perhaps it is the desire to safeguard all the things that we want to save that make us look at care and love a little more intently so many delicate things about love have been said bell hook says that Love is a combination of care, commitment, knowledge, responsibility, respect and trust. She endorses love as not just an internal feeling but also an external action. A broken relationship can be safeguarded only by love and care. I have spent so much time in the presence of this cat called Umrao Jahan that I and my roommate Muskan used to co-parent. We named the cat Umrao Jahan after the poetess and performer of colonial Lucknow. While very much being inspired by the visual aesthetics of the film and Rekha's portrayal of Umrao Jahan, which was a Muzaffar Ali directorial. So Umrao Jahan our cat is extremely perceptive of love through touch, hug and rub etc. Whenever we would meet whenever I would get the chance to meet Umrao in each other's vicinity she would react with love to my love and with violence to my violence i have spent time with other beings plants animals humans to now know that they recognize love and hate exclusively and they respond to both in specific individual ways love care and safeguarding involves labor Labor as a word has arrived here in this time and place to us through capitalism. Whenever I think of labor, I think of unpaid underpaid labor. Because in my personal history, I associate it with labor of my mother. 
she made countless delicious meals for me she cleaned me for me after me took care of me all this for free while she was herself struggling with money it was the labor of love it is impossible to survive and if you're lucky thrive without someone's labor of love the free labor of our friends and family that saves us from many different threats existing around us there are other forms of labor of love there is a thing about nurturing an idea and creating a work of art out of it it is a labor of love born from making creating and producing being an artist myself i recognize it as a feeling like none other it is so uniquely and beautifully authentic despite being underpaid despite the occupational hazards that follow despite the mental burdens and desires of making it big one day so what is it about art that confuses so many people governments artists curators haters me myself etc i can never know but i can try with the arrival of the internet in the 1990s the seeming boundaries of modern art have stretched into what we have now termed as contemporary art let's face it contemporary art is a heavy topic but the 1990s may have a few answers the 1990s were laden with events that nurtured a dynamic and diverse group of people evolving quickly with the fast changing technology and society in india's context it was the time when the rich became richer the political and economic conditions of india changed drastically in 1991 india's economy opened to foreign multinational investment a lifestyle emerged The rich acquired expensive looking commodities and their lifestyle transformed aesthetically. In my middle class Lucknow Delhi upbringing, some people around me were determined to look a certain way, wear certain clothes that made them look well fancy. This also changed how Indian cinema, television, advertisement and basically all the media looked. It changed how the public appeared visually. I remember how with each film Shahrukh Khan appeared more and more chic and fashionable playing the role of a young desirable dream boy in his several 90s movies. Slowly as a society we would realize that aesthetics really matter. Because aesthetics are the ground on which all politics stand. The 1990s and 2000s saw turbulent instabilities politically. BJP organized a Ram Rath Yatra and demolished the Babri Masjid in Ayodhya. This was followed by communal violence in many parts of the country where many people lost their lives and some were raped. Ever since then, the Hindu right wing in India has seen a rising in the elections in various parts of the country through assertive advertising threading the saffron visuals and narratives into the popular public discourse and memory however at the same time a parallel discourse opposing the violence against minorities was taken up by artists and academics the subcontinent was also coming to terms with ozone layer depletion deforestation and dam construction at the price of development we saw protests and movements that fought for the environment for rivers tribal lands trees 
against the government's mandates. These conditions created a political, social, and economic environment, which inspired artists to change the set standards and just move beyond everything that has been done before. And this was the time when contemporary art branched out into several niches, making sure that there is something for everyone. We have arrived at a point where technically there is no high or low art. The long tail of the internet has helped everyone find the art that they like. I do think that I have consumed more art on the internet than in any art-specific public site or private residence. These conditions created a political, social and economic environment which inspired artists to change the set standards and just move beyond everything that they had seen before. This has to some extent disrupted the grounds on which institutions and art galleries stood on. In The Traffic of Culture, Refiguring Art and Anthropology, George E. Marcus and Fred R. Myers draw upon three acts that help understand the social difference in the New York art world. Karen Zeitzwitz recognizes that these acts also hold true for Indian art world. The first is that contemporary artists now approached different unusual materials as tools and media to create the artwork. They turned to performance, film, digital, while also working with metals, screen, pigments, and sometimes their own bodies. They did so in innovative ways. The artists also started approaching the everyday life as inspiration. They blended their art practice with the objects and events of mundane life. There has also been a rather swift encouragement from the institutions towards new and unique curatorial methods, frameworks and executions. This push is to create curatorial experiences that have not been seen before. This also emphasizes towards the artistic networks that enable new curatorial and artistic frameworks. The artist enters the scene. They sometimes tenderly and other times shockingly create visions and sounds that appear as confessions and antidotes to the threats that they perceive as threats. The contemporary art in India is all engulfing. It retains values of the past while at the same time rejects everything known. It retains values of the past while at the same time rejects everything that is known. One of the bigger markers of contemporary art is that it moves away from traditional methods and employs new materials. KG Subramanian, a modern contemporary artist, and a 2012 Padma Vibhushan awardee expressed his desire to still belong to the living culture and traditions while innovating, while also abolishing traditions that do us no good and are rather misogynist and casteist. In Kondagao in Bastar district in Chhattisgarh, Adivasi artists Rajkumar Koram, Shantibai, Gesuram Viswakarma from Bastar and Navjot Altaf from Bombay founded Dialogue Interactive Artists Association. They met in 1997 at Shilpigram, a non-profit institution built by bell metal sculptor Jaydev Bhagir. 
after receiving a grant from IFA, Indian Foundation for the Arts, the Bastar Collective created a body of work called Modes of Parallel Practice, Ways of World Making in 1998. The works consisted of documentaries, installations and sculptures. They showed the works at the first Fukuoka Asian Art Triennale in 1999. The Fukuoka Asian Art museum acquired all the works. The artists used the money earned from the sale to make design changes in the water systems of Kondaga. They redesigned the water pumps or nalpar ergonomically, suiting the bodies of women and children who usually went to fetch the water. It is quite remarkable to redesign and rethink something as simple and as essential as water pumps. They addressed all the previous issues that used to be a hassle for women and children while drawing water. The Bastar Collective significantly moved away from the prescribed forms of art to collaboration and community building. They created works of public art that benefited the public. In another body of work comprising of photographs and drawings called Fields of Sight, renowned worldly artist Rajesh Bangad and contemporary artist Gauri Gill collaborate. The base surface is that of Gauri's monochromatic photographs of suburban metropolitan landscapes, with Rajesh occupying different parts of the photograph. On top of it, Rajesh draws in ink. He draws illustrations in worldly style. He draws natural and urban subjects. Both the artists bring out the different realities of the city life and its effect on the environment. These worldly illustrations do not depict the rural tribal living traditions, but show us fauna, flora, buildings, aeroplanes, metro, metro, trails, dead tree stumps, fishing nets, etc. in a worldly rendition. They make us think about the new speak within the Bali painting traditions that Rajesh Bangad introduces. Contemporary art brings renewed sensibilities to old traditional materials. Here Rajesh expanded the traditional Varli motifs into more contemporary symbology. They take the traditional art media and treat it with innovative techniques that make it change its appearance and character. For example, Aisha Sultana of Lahore, Pakistan is popular for her graphite on paper works. Her motifs are geometric. She covers acid-free paper evenly with graphite layers and then folds and creases the paper. It leaves the paper bent against the surface of the wall. Her technique makes the paper look and feel like steel or iron sheet. The smooth texture and the 3D aspect makes one feel compelled to explore and touch the materiality of her works. The desire to touch an artwork is very real, and it so happens with London-based artist Rana Begum. She explores colours and geometry while using conventional and unconventional media. Her works experiment with colours and their effect on various surfaces and materials. It is quite fascinating to find yourself staring for a long time at a geometric piece of installation, painting, sculpture or a mural. I usually unwrap its simplicity only to fathom about the complexities and continuous work that might have gone behind a Rana Begum minimalist work.
I interpret many works of art and fiction as active demonstrations of dystopia and totalitarianism. Because many forms of dystopia are actually lived realities of many who are living and have lived in totalitarian regimes. Dystopia came up from the various imaginations of threat from governments and systems of power. It has also dissolved into the fabric of living everyday life and dictates the conditions and objects through which we live our lives. Prajakta Potnis is a Mumbai-based multidisciplinary artist who works with paintings, photography, installation and sculpture. Potnis explores the public and private systems through her art practice. A series of artworks creates an osmosis of public and private by dimming the clear demarcation between them. She experiments with everyday life objects deeply entwined with human experiences. She uses cabinets of domestic appliances, for example, freezer and washing machines, and she uses lights to create a dystopian drama. Sudhir Patwardhan's depiction of humble lived realities is also a stark marker of contemporary Indian art and life. He was a practicing radiologist till 2005. He displays human figures along with the urban architecture of congested streets and houses of Bombay. A bit of nature here and there. These are the scenes that all of us have seen every day, no matter which part of the country we belong to. Especially in the bustling and congested parts of your towns. Several people inhabit the areas around the wastelands and they go on carrying the everyday life and worries in their pockets. Even though his paintings are scattered with people, I find myself feeling lonely and desperate, just as I do living in the city of Delhi. When I look into his paintings, I feel like a warrior looking at the many warriors painted in his paintings. It is with delicate care that he paints his subjects. They make the readers very aware that we are looking at his subjects through his eyes, through his perspective. Contemporary art is about everything we are left with. It is with those things that we have to create art and to create a life of passion, care and love. I have thoroughly enjoyed reading, writing and editing this whole podcast. I would like to mention the hard work of Soumya Parashar who edited each and every episode of this podcast. I am immensely thankful to Ragishri Ranade, the former editor-in-chief of MASH, for setting deadlines and gently following up. I am thankful to the team members of MASH and SPAF for their logistical support. And lastly and enormously, I would like to thank Shalini Pasi, founder of MASH, for taking on this ambitious project and producing the Indian Art History Podcast. We have completed 25 episodes. We started with the humble beginnings of the prehistoric art. And here we are in 2022, where art has expanded full and beyond into new forms of language. This is the last episode in the podcast series, Indian Art History by MASH. I am your host, Ayushi Chaurasya, signing off. 
thank you to each one of you who have suddenly and gradually found yourself at the end of this podcast thank you